Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Good afternoon, Lighthouse. You may be seated. Let's hope I can match my husband. He is an awesome speaker. But my name is Miriam Aviles, one of the leaders for and mentors for Lighthouse students. Where are my students? And it's an honor speaking with, with you, um, bringing the word of the Lord to you all this afternoon. Pastor Josh, thank you. Where is he? Thank you for this opportunity. Um, and for those of you taking notes this afternoon, the title of my message is The Way of Submission. And I'll be reading from Matthew 26, 36 through 39. And it reads, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the, to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus, the book of Matthew shows us one of the most vulnerable moments that Jesus experienced through one of his most intimate prayers. Following the Last Supper, Jesus went with his disciples to the Mount of Olives, um, and then he went further into the Garden of Gethsemane, where he took Peter, James, and John with him. And Jesus actually went a little further away from um, these three disciples and prayed. He prayed a very overwhelming and sorrowful prayer regarding the pain and agony he was about to endure. His disciples fell asleep while all this occurred. And rightfully so, Jesus scolded them. (laughs) How could they fall asleep if only a few hours before this, Jesus had told them that he would not only be betrayed, that he would be arrested and killed. I don't know about you, Lighthouse, but if I'm about to receive bad news, or if I have received bad news, I don't sleep. But nevertheless, Jesus went back and prayed a second, and a third time. Each time, he was strengthened by the Lord. But as we know, he was ultimately arrested and crucified. But I want to focus this afternoon a little bit deeper into Jesus' prayer. In his prayer, we get a small glimpse into his humanity, where he was coming to terms with his divine mission. It wasn't an easy mission. Jesus told his disciples that this was weighing on him, that he was struggling. So much that in the Gospel of Luke, 
We are told that he was sweating blood as he sprayed his sorrows onto the Father. Nevertheless, Jesus was more than willing to submit to the will of the Father. And how many of us have found ourselves in a situation where we're being asked to make a decision in obedience to the Lord? And maybe it doesn't compare to the level and the degree and burden, the pressure that, had, that Jesus had over his shoulders. But nonetheless, as a human, it was a difficult pressure for you. And I want to share a little bit about uh, when I found myself with a difficult decision to make and how I felt that the Lord was showing me the way of submission to his will in my life. In 2012, I had just gotten married. when I received a letter of acceptance to UC Berkeley's Masters of Public Health program. I had also just started my job in the healthcare field, and I was very involved in ministry with my husband. Simple, right? I should stay. I had a good life here. But I also knew how much it took to get that acceptance, how much my mom and my sisters had sacrificed for me. And I would be lying if I told you that I was immediately willing to say no. So my husband and I prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed, and ultimately were led to seek counsel from our closest friends and family in our church. We knew that just because this was a good thing, a good opportunity, it didn't mean that it was the right thing for us, especially during this season of our lives. So we felt convicted and strengthened by the Lord to surrender to the season in our lives during that time. Three years later, I actually applied once again, and once again, I was accepted to Berkeley's MPH program. This time, however, I was offered multiple grants and even housing. My housing was paid for, I don't know if you guys have, you guys know how expensive it is in the Bay Area? It's expensive. You pay for a tiny little room. My husband had also landed a job, and my daughter even had daycare and preschool covered by the university. Always pointing towards us leaving. Nevertheless, we felt it in our heart that we had to pray and pray for this, for God to reveal his will for our life. We gathered our crew and felt convicted and strengthened to leave. And I can safely say that I was at peace and stood in gratefulness both times with those decisions. Now, those events don't even begin to compare to the situation that Jesus had. But when we're at a crossroads, when we are about to make a decision that will affect the course of not only our lives, but those that we love, we can't take those decisions so lightly. So we must be willing to come to the Lord and ask for God's will in our lives to be revealed. And perhaps today you are finding yourself in the middle of fighting God's will for your life. Maybe you're about to make a decision that will impact a relationship with someone. Maybe you're taking a new job, quitting a job, I don't know, deciding between one college or another. Maybe you're about to start a family. And you might be asking yourself, what is God's will for my life? And I challenge you to ask yourself, are you ready to submit to God's will? Are you ready to accept the will of God if the answer goes against what you want, what your heart most desires? 
And will your decision honor him? I have three points. Jesus actually left a, a way for us to follow in submission to his will. Number one, we must pray. Pray honestly and earnestly. While Jesus was in the garden, Jesus was honest with the Father. He prayed and he poured out his emotions, his raw emotions. Number two, we must gather our crew. Don't make life's decisions alone, Lighthouse. Jesus gathered three of his, most, of his closest disciples and asked them to stand watch. Though they failed him, he asked them to um, help, pray, help him pray. And number three, pray and pray again. Pray however long it takes. Jesus didn't just pray once. He came to the Father not once or twice, but three times. And through each prayer, he declared his willingness to submit to the will of the Father and his willingness to submit his purpose. And each time, as the Gospel of Luke tells us, he was strengthened to follow through with the will of, for the will of the Lord. I want to leave you with this passage. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through, 20, through 17. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you. Thank you, Lighthouse. All right. Good afternoon, Lighthouse Church. It is so good to see you. Thank you, Pastor Josh and Joanna, for this privilege and opportunity to be able to share some words. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jessica Angulo. I am married to Pastor Sam, and we have four beautiful children. We're going to be reading from Genesis 45, verses 4 and 5. This is part of the story of a young man named Joseph. Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery and told his father he had died. Joseph ended up a slave in Egypt, but eventually rose to be the second most powerful man in the kingdom. Years later, during a great famine, his brothers were looking for food for their families, and their paths crossed again. But this time... Joseph was in position of power and authority. He was in charge of all the food supplies in Egyptian empire. By this time, he looked different, so his brothers didn't even recognize him. You can see the verses up here. We're going to read from the NIV, verses 4 and 5. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed, and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Wow, talk about coming from a dysfunctional family, right? <laughs> Continue with Pastor Series on a better way. I would like to share some words with you on the way of forgiveness. How many of you have been hurt before by someone? I know I have. And I'm not talking about when someone got your order wrong at Starbucks or when someone didn't say hi to you on Sunday morning, although some of us do need to loosen up on those little things, right, and let go of those little things. But no, for real, so I'm talking about real hurt. When someone betrayed your trust or when someone did you wrong and caused you real physical, psychological, or emotional damage. You see, Joseph's brothers literally betrayed him. They upended his life, took everything he valued. He spent years, years without his family as a slave and years in prison because of their choice that day. 
Only by the grace of God was he able to get out of his miserable situation after years of suffering. Then his brothers show up again, begging him for food. If this was one of us, I know me, it was like, yes, time for revenge, right? <laughs> if he wanted to, Joseph, he could have killed his brothers, imprisoned them, or sold them into slaves. Instead, what did he do? He chose to forgive them. Joseph understood that God had used the crime against him to save the lives of others. But even though he understood that God used the situation for good, it didn't remove all of Joseph's hurt and pain. But he made the choice to forgive his brothers and to be a blessing instead. He could have paid evil for evil, but instead he did as Apostle Paul teaches us. He overcame evil with good. Forgiveness is a necessity, but it isn't always easy. I don't know about you, but I've experienced being hurt in my life. I'm going to be really honest with you. I was seven years old when something really, really sad happened to me, something that should never happen to any child. I won't go into details now, but this experience left me traumatized. For many years, I carried in my heart I carried this in my heart and my mind. It wasn't, it wasn't until I got married that I realized that I could no longer ignore it or just sweep it under the rug. I had to confront this person. I had to let him know how much it had hurt me. And only then could I really move on to the forgiveness process. I had to return my hurt, my doubts to God, and trust that he would take care of justice. I realized that it was time to forgive. I couldn't wait until I felt like it or until my hurt had passed. When we genuinely surrender our situation to God and ask him to help us forgive others, you know what, he will, he will help us. I do understand that every situation is different. If someone violated your trust or hurt you, or hurt you deeply, you need to go through the healing process. And you might need to talk to a counselor or a therapist. Forgiveness is necessary not to set the other person free, but to set you, to set me free. When you forgive, you are releasing the hold that that person and that situation has over your life. It's also important to remember that that person that hurt you might get your forgiveness but not necessarily your trust. God exhorts us. As a matter of fact, he commands us to forgive because he knows that if we do, we will reap fruits of blessings, fruits of freedom and better relationships. Not only that, but in Matthew 6, 14, Jesus says that if you forgive other people when they sin against you, guess what? Jesus will also forgive you, will also forgive me of our sins. I came to a point in my life where instead of holding on to that hurt, I invited peace and forgiveness into my heart. If I hadn't forgiven this person, I wouldn't have been able to move on and have the healthy relationships that I have or even have the marriage that I have. It's definitely not perfect, but I live in peace. I can freely love my husband. I can freely love my family. In conclusion, I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He who is devoid of the power 
to forgive is devoid of the power to love. In other words, if we are unable to forgive, we are unable to truly love. If we want to follow a better way, Jesus is the ultimate example of forgiveness. He forgave those who spat at him, who persecuted him, who crucified him. Instead of following the way of vengeance or hatred, Jesus modeled for us how to follow the way of forgiveness. I don't know about you, but I choose to love. I want to love and forgive my enemy and my neighbor as Jesus loves and forgives me. I want to live the way of Jesus. My prayer this morning or this afternoon is that if you are carrying hurt or resentment towards someone who harmed you, you began to seek God's guidance towards the path of forgiveness and healing. God bless you all. I thank God for this opportunity. And I want to thank Pastor Josh for his mentorship, for believing in us. Um, it means a lot, Pastor Josh. For those that don't know me, I'm David. And uh, this is my second year with uh, Lighthouse Leadership College. We're going to be done next month. And I'm going to miss a lot of things. I'm going to miss the, the rich discussions with my classmates. I'm going to miss the big bag of haichus that Eddie brings every Tuesday. And the weak debates of the valedictorian topic. Just kidding. Thank you, Pastor. I want to acknowledge my wife. Um, Ah, there she is. Thank you, baby. Thank you for my better half. Uh, she makes it possible. Your support is why I'm able to stand here today. You hold it down at, at the house and with our two daughters, take them to swim. And uh, I just want to thank you. I love you. With that being said, I want to read... Uh, Scripture. I want to. I'm going to speak about dreams today. The title of my message is "The Way of Dreaming." So let's begin by reading Ephesians chapter three, verse twenty to twenty-one. If you paid attention, they already read this during worship. It says, "God can do anything. You know far more than you could ever imagine, or guess, or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around." but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. Tell the person next to you, you are created to dream. Even before you took your first breath, God placed an imagination in your brain. An imagination that gave you dreams since you were young. So I want you to go back when you were five years old. Think about when you were five years old. Maybe 5 to 10 if you need a time range. You were probably between kindergarten to fifth grade. What did you dream in becoming? What did you dream in being? Think about that. On the way home from church, maybe you can share that with somebody. When I was that age, 
I lived for two things. Hot Cheetos <laughs> and soccer. I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Well, the, the Hot Cheetos didn't really help. <laughs> it wasn't just the Hot Cheetos, to be honest. It was the burritos next to it. It was the tortas next to it. So that didn't help me accomplish that dream. But other dreams did come true. When Paul wrote this letter of Ephesians, he was around 65 years old. Not only that, he was gangster, so he was locked up. <laughs> he was in prison. But he wrote to the church in Ephesus, who were a group of believers that were young in the walk with the Lord. In chapter 3, he ends with a prayer. He prayed that the Ephesian believers might be strengthened and love. Say love. love. So that the union between the Gentiles and the Jewish believers might be carried out in God's power. Additionally, you see this, this pattern. If you read the letter of Ephesians, it has six chapters. You see a phrase that happens over and over and over and over. That phrase is in Christ or its equivalent. He says it around 35 times during this letter. Can you imagine 35 times he mentions in Christ? Paul wanted the people in Ephesus to truly understand that the believer is in Christ. He wanted to make a point. He wanted to make a point that we are in Christ. Why? Because when we are in Christ, we live for him. When we live for him, our heart is about him. When our heart desires are about him, we can have godly dreams. When we say yes to those dreams, we will impact not only our life, but those around us. And for generations to come, dreams. We are in Christ. So how do you know if a dream is from God? Godly dreams will require faith. And you got to submit. you got to pray. But they require faith. You can't do it by yourself. In the process of pursuing these godly dreams, he's going to be working in you. Your faith will be put to work. So when you do decide to say yes to the dreams, remember PDF. Some people got it. PDF, persist through delays. Deal with difficulties and face the dead ends. There's always going to be a delay. What causes the delay? Why does God cause delays? Three things. Sometimes God uses delays to protect us from difficulties. Other times, 
God uses delays to prepare us for difficulties. And sometimes God uses delays to develop us in difficulties. And pray. Pastor Josh in his book gives us a great approach to prayer. One of the suggestions is to have a journal by your side when you pray. He says, and I quote, When I have prayed and brought to God my desires, I then remain in silence for several minutes. There are times that I pause and wait to hear from God. Deal with difficulties. Troubles is part of, part of life. But after you face those dead ends, deliverance comes. I said deliverance comes. You know, Susan and I have been together for more than 10 years. We're college sweethearts. We dated for four years. Not sure how you waited, but she did. When we decided to embark on this dream of becoming parents, we were excited. We were super excited. I was envisioning myself going to a restaurant and saying, party of six. <laughs> party of seven. I'm serious. <laughs> My dream was to have kids running around the house. So when we agreed it was time to have kids, we tried, and we tried, and nothing. We struggled. We thought we were ready. We both had gone to graduate school. We both had the careers that we had been dreaming for. We had, we had traveled throughout Mexico, which is one of our goals. We had purchased a house already. I was driving to work in a nice blue 2017 Camaro. <laughs> but we had a lot of difficulties. We faced a huge dead end. But we decided to trust in God and that his timing was perfect. Yeah. The deliverance was huge. The Camaro had to go, but deliverance was there. Now we have two beautiful daughters, and his way is better. When we accept Jesus as a true vine and accept his invitation and abide in him, we can say yes to Jesus, and we can say yes to the dreams that he has for us. In college, in Bible college, we read a book from Rich Villotas, and he talked about the iceberg. He mentioned when you look at the iceberg, you only see 10%. 90% of it is underneath. The iceberg was used as an illustration of the goal of spiritual formation in Christ. Jesus wants to transform our, our entire life, not just the 10% that you put on social media, not just the 10% that you try and perceive and show to people who you are. 
God, want, God wants to transform your entire life. I'm not here to tell you that with Jesus there's no problems. What I am saying is that when, when, when you say yes to Jesus and to the dreams that he has for your life, we're saying yes to joy. We're saying yes to peace. We're saying yes to love. We're saying yes to his lordship. They say the older we get, the less we imagine and create. Why? Because life becomes a routine. We get burned out and we easily give up. What dreams have you given up on? What dreams have you put on pause? You have a heavenly calling, but sometimes it's easier to try and ignore the godly dreams that God has given you. Why? Fear? Insecurities? Lack of confidence? Self-worth? Traumatic experiences? Psychological damage? Oftentimes it's easier to run away from those godly dreams. Oftentimes, we choose to continue to live in bondage. And even in our attempt to pursue other dreams, God in his mercy and his grace patiently waits. You can't hide from the dreams that God has for your life. So dream. Dream because you can. Dream because you're no longer captive. Dream because you're set free. Dream because you have been washed with his blood. Dream because he keeps knocking at your door. Dream because you're a daughter of a king. Dream because you're the son of a prince of peace. Dream because there's hope. There's hope in Jesus. Dream because his way is better. Say yes to godly dreams. Surrender every part of your life. Submit every area in your life. Surround yourselves with people that believe in you and believe in your dreams. Because his way of dreaming is better. With that being said, I'm going to ask everybody to please rise. Please stand on your feet. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.